Uh, all right, everybody, welcome to the Fear of the Fincast. Uh, it's uh, April 25th, 10, 10 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, I'm Jacob Suntram, co-managing editor of fearofthefin.com with Marcus P. White, fellow Hello. co-managing editor. All right. Uh, we are here to uh, wrap up the 2016-17 San Jose Sharks season. Uh, what do you want to start, Marcus? So are we going to talk about the? Uh, are we going to talk at all about Game Six of uh, Sharks Oilers series? Yeah, I guess let's talk, let's talk a little. Let's talk a little Game Five, Game Six uh, from the Sharks. You know, I think I don't want to toot my own horn, but I I was I predicted I said the winner of Game Five was going to win the series, and I think for me we both predicted uh, Oilers in six. By the way, the did. only people at Fear the Fin yes. to predict. Um. Not you know, I think a couple it, other people hit Oilers in seven, so I they still get half a point for getting the. No, order. no, no. We're the only people who predicted the Oilers were going to oh, win. Oh, never mind. Series. I was incorrect. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Everybody else was very teal in their gonna, prediction. I'm gonna pat myself on the back here. That yeah, sound here is me right. patting. Oh, I'm getting uh, real. I'm getting real patting myself on the back. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think from the moment they where they lost the series was when they came out the third period of game five uh nursing a one goal lead and you know turtling some of that i think was because of the pressure that edmonton was just putting on them in general but much of it felt very strategic like get the puck out of our own end dump it and you know martin jones to his credit uh almost kept them in it uh he was awesome all series i know that was a, a bit of a concern uh frankly i think he he may have uh he at the very least matched Cam Talbot in my eyes in that series. And given how Talbot had played throughout the course of the regular season and how Jones had played this season, uh, you know, Jones had the playoff experience, of course, but I mean, you're going to take a, you're going to take a net, a net, you know, zero in that area, you know, considering Talbot probably should have been a Vezina finalist um, in all honesty. I mean, he, you know, one of the five best goalies in the league this year, uh, certainly. Um, but you know, the moment they collapsed like that and turtled, I felt okay. They're this series is you know I, they needed to win Game Five if they were going to win the series. Um, and when they came out that third period and then weren't able to do anything in overtime, I I thought it was going to be rough. I think I think Game Six they played a little better. Uh, definitely some score effects came into play. Edmonton was in control early, and then the Sharks really poured it on. You know, obviously some bad fortune. I think they hit what four posts something like that i mean something absurd pavelski hitting two on their last power play which if nothing poetically sums up their power play all season more than that i'm not sure what does um you that know not, me of the uh, 2014 uh king series remember where uh that that play i still still haunts me where uh pavelski couldn't quite elevate that puck against jonathan quick i still think about that yeah. sometimes now, I mean, that's you want to talk about twenty fourteen. That might have been, that might have been their best team in the McClellan era. Uh, you know, and by might have, I mean probably was. Literally was, yeah. Um, yeah. So that I mean, look, we both predicted Oilers in six. I wasn't too shocked uh, with the end result. Um, you know, seeing especially how serious uh, Thornton and Couture's injuries were. Even you know, I didn't realize Couture had two facial fractures until that was reported reported today i guess he didn't speak with the media yesterday he spoke today um correct yeah um so and then thornton obviously playing on the torn acl and mcl i i don't want to imagine what he was hopped up on and you know the foolishness of doing that of him in a contract year for sure obviously 
you know, he wanted to be out there for his teammates and, and put it out there. Um, I, I, I don't know what concoction he was, you know, what, which doctor he visited, but, uh, I knew he was, I knew he was struggling. I didn't, I didn't realize it was that much. So, you know, it's, you know, and given the nature of their injuries, I mean, you and I talked about it, you know, a little bit before the series, you know, them at 50% sharks end up losing in six, you know, what's real, what's the real difference between the team losing in four or five. If those guys aren't there uh, and aren't rushing back from their injuries. Um, so, but you know, obviously those guys want to be on the ice, so I'm not going to you know blame them for uh, making that choice. Um, but yeah, not, not altogether too after a series where we felt like we knew nothing after the first four games, it ended up ending exactly as we predicted. Yeah. You know, I think the, there's a, there's a lot here. I mean, I think one of the things is that Martin Jones playing out of his court is the only reason the series didn't end in four games. Um, You know, that that's a big takeaway for me and that's with Thornton and Couture playing. Um, So, you know, them playing, you know, arguably didn't make that big of a difference anyway. Yeah. Um, I think it's a fair. And if anything, it hurt the sharks. Cause you know, I mean, at least Couture, I haven't looked at Thornton, but you know, Couture struggled being used in the same role that he was being right. used in when he was healthy. And that's, you know, certainly he had that one game where he scored obviously, but you know, uh, overall he was a huge negative in this series. Um, and I think it hurts the sharks that they didn't use some of their not- young guys, like, you know, O'Regan not playing LeBanc not playing, I think hurts them long-term. And I think that's a big negative for them going forward. And I LeBanc, think-, I think hurt more uh, than O'Regan. I mean, I think, I think, I think so too. I, I just think in I- general, I would have liked to see those guys get playoff experience. Well, yeah. That that would have been a nice positive. At the, very, think- at the very least use Tomas hurdle in the role you were using Logan Couture earlier this yeah. season and use Couture yeah. as your third line center. Get, Get Hurdle, you know, use Hurdle like you did in in that last regular season game against Edmonton when he was hard matched against Connor McDavid and held his own. Right. Um, you know, I think I think I would have liked to have seen that. Um, you know, obviously, I don't like that the Sharks allowed uh, Joe Thornton to play. I don't like that at any point that the decision was left up to Joe Thornton to play. You know, I think right. Logan Couture playing, I have less of a problem with because I think that there's slightly less of a risk of him re-aggravating those injuries, of course, than they let him play without without the cage, which, yeah, you know, boneheaded. And, um, you know, that would have been the same with, you know, 29 other NHL teams, I'm sure. So, of you know, course. Um, this is, a, this is a less, hockey problem, not a San Jose Sharks problem. This yeah, is a, which doesn't make it any less stupid. Um, it's, no, of course. But it is. It's it's stupid, um, and it's disappointing. But that's, you know, I think the only thing you can say is that, you know, just thankful that the guys didn't suffer any more yeah, injuries I'm very, on top I mean, of especially it. Especially seeing Thornton's injury, I'm very thankful his surgery was effective. Uh, was a, Excuse me, was went underwent successfully today. Uh, Sharks press release saying he'll be. Yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about that real quick. They'll say he'll be ready for 2017, 18. Um, what's your what's your bullshit meter on that? Uh, I mean, look, I I think the, the way press releases can be worded, I, I don't think that actually means that he's going to be ready for the first game of the season. I think it just means in general he'll you know he might be able to skate. he will play he might be able to skate at camp, but I don't think he's going to be able to again. I don't know the nature of his knee injury. I'm not a doctor. Just knowing what I've seen from ACL and MCL tears, that's going to be a pretty substantial rehab. I will say, though, if there's one guy at that age who can come back from it, it's old man Joe. There's a reason he was 
the Logan Photoshop on the Fear the Fin page, even though we could have, if only that had happened, that, that no. hadn't happened, and then we could have just done it for Logan Couture and just kept the Logan name. Uh, after would've he would have been way easier. Would have been way easier. Way less Photoshop job. Yeah. It would have saved Jake some time. Yeah. Um, I had to go get the font and everything. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Logan, you dick. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I don't think I mean it's, I, a, it's a big ask. That would be ask. that would be a pretty that, that would be some substantial substantial rehab work on Jumbo. Uh, be ready by the beginning the of the season. To the Weapon X program would be required uh, almost certainly. Um, but yeah, I I mean I think is he going to play next year? Yeah, no doubt in my mind he'll he'll play next year, and sure. you know, we can maybe transition a little bit. I. Frankly, I, th- I think learning the nature of his injury, and maybe this is – you could correct me if I'm wrong here. I think that makes him almost more likely to come back to San Jose. I, I agree with that. I think I think it it now, I think, behooves both parties for him to kind of come back on a, a one-year deal, maybe kind of heavily laden with some performance bonuses, you know, structured similarly to Yager's contract. You know, Joe's not 45, but I think – Really, the closest comparable for what a Marlowe or Thornton contract is going to look at, I think, are guys like Shane Doan, guys like Yarmir Yager, guys that have been in the league a long time that are still effective, maybe not as effective as they were in their primes, but have that longevity. And Doan is almost a better uh, comparison because of how long Doan's been with Arizona and how long Thornton and Marlowe have been with San Jose. Um, I think a, I think a, a one-year make-good deal on the return from his injury is in the interest of of everybody. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think it makes him more likely to, you know, rehab in a place he's comfortable with, with a doc, with the medical team, he knows a medical team that knows him. Um, you know, it's a cross sport sport comparison, but you know, the Phoenix suns in basketball before they, you know, kind of fell off were so good at, at revitalizing and keeping their older stars, you know, healthy. And then, you know, a guy like Steve Nash leaves, he goes to the Lakers, then all of a sudden he breaks down, you know, some of that of course is just timing, but, I think familiar, like medical familiarity there really, really helps a player at Joe's age. And, I, yeah, I, I think it makes him more likely to come back to the Sharks. Right. Uh, now, Patrick Marlowe is a kind of a different case, obviously, where, first okay. of all, not injured. Uh, second of all, I think – He'd have a broken thumb. <laughs> That's true. Um, and you saw his face-off percentage uh, precipitously slip um, <laughs> as a result. Um uh, part of that is also he's not very good at playing center. Uh, the other thing is that both Patrick Marlowe feels that he has a lot more value to add. I think uh, the, you know, he feels that, and uh, he's certainly made that known um, in years past um, and, and, and even now at the present. And I think it's kind of, a, kind of an interesting cross. He has five road. good years left in him. You know, which is an interesting thought on his part. Um, right. Okay. You know, we're allowed to believe whatever we want to believe. Um, I don't think he would have been a professional athlete if he didn't have that belief in himself. I suppose that is true. (laughs) Um, You know, I think it's interesting because I think the Sharks are an interesting point here where I know that I've written about it and we've talked about it, obviously, where the Sharks, you know, how much time they have left in this current window um, is up for debate, obviously, um, and how much, you know, value Patrick Marlowe has left at, you know, at this current performance level is also very much up for debate. Um, you know, I know that obviously he certainly, certainly scored at a, at a decent level this year, certainly more than I think that, um, than, than I expected. Um, you know, 
had a, had a pretty solid shooting year. Um, you was kind of utilized all over the place. It was kind of hard to get a real good read on what, you know, what, projecting what he's going to be doing next year. Uh, yeah, what, what do you think is a, probably a good, you know, if the Sharks bring him back, so, you know, assuming the Sharks bring Thornton back next year, that, that's a pretty good assumption. The Sharks are at least going to go for it for one more year next year. So assuming that that's the case, the Sharks take at least one more shot next year. Um, and assuming that this is kind of a two-year you know, mini window that the Sharks are going to kind of yeah. pop up here. Uh, what, what, what do you think we're looking at here? In terms of contract? Right. I mean, I, I think San Jose's not going to be comfortable giving anything longer than three years. Uh, I don't think, frankly, they should be comfortable giving anything longer than two years uh, to, to Marlowe. I don't think Thornton gets longer than a year given the injury. Um, you know, kind of looking at, and I'm, I'm writing about this uh, tomorrow. This Don't worry, this isn't spoiling it. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, looking at like Shane Doan's deal, looking at Yager's deal, I, I really think those are the best comparisons for Patrick Marlowe. Um, you know, both over 35, both signed at, at that age. I, I don't think it's very instructive to look at, say, you know, a redeem verbata on a make good deal when he turned 35 or or other players. And I think the cap's at a point where, you know, re, it's better to look at contracts signed more recently uh, after the lockout as opposed to, you know, maybe a little closer uh, to the to when that last lockout was. Um so yeah, I think you know, I think right. I think they're going to probably end up signing pretty similar contracts like they have done each of the last two times. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if if Marlowe has more uh, outright salary than Thornton does, and Thornton, like I said, is going to be with a little more performance bonuses. If I was in Doug Wilson's, uh, you know, hyperbaric chamber in his his tanning bed, um, I would go with um, you know a two year eight million dollar deal for Marlowe, four million per. And then I'd sign Joe to like a one year, you know, maybe a, maybe a one year three million dollar deal, but he could hit four and a half or five if he hits certain uh, certain bonuses. Um, you know, I I think I think he's I think he's very likely Thornton specifically again. I don't know if this is what he wants. He said obviously before the injury he wanted a three year deal. Um, I think a a, a you know bonus laden deal but you have the bonuses where basically it's bonuses that he's going to hit regardless, similar to what Yager had this year. I mean, most of Yager's performance bonuses were just games played. And given Thornton's injury, I think, you know, having bonuses for hitting 20, hitting 40, hitting 60, hitting 80 games, uh, I think would be really, I think it just is, it makes sense for, it makes sense for both parties. Uh, Obviously he's going to want a deal that's longer, but you know, there's a good chance that, if he has a good year this year, comes back healthy, he's going to be able to sign a, a, a one last contract for pretty good money. Um, but you know, I, I think if you're the Sharks, you can afford to play a little hard, a little bit of hardball with these guys and say, look, you know, we, you guys want to contend. We think our window here is really these next two years uh, with you guys in you know your current roles. So let's you know let's let's work let's work from there and. This is what every other player your age has really signed. Um, so, you know, I don't think the dot suit contract, I mean, that's, he got three years, seven and a half million, but he was 35. Um, I think the fact that these guys are going to be in their age 38 season, I just, I, I can't see the cap hit going m- over four and a half million dollars. I, if I was San Jose, I would not give them more than four and a half million a year. Yeah. To me, I think the money matters less than the term. The term is the Agreed. biggest thing. The, the Sharks have, have the space because they've got 
some many guys on yeah. you know, younger guys or should be happy using younger yeah. guys if that's less of a big deal. They have it for this year, but for next year, you know, they're going to have to pay Jones. They got to pay Vlasic and Hurdle's coming into his second RFA deal. Sure. Um, I don't think Vlasic is going to get as big a raise as people think he is because yeah. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Vlasic isn't worth that much money because he does not score and yeah. he has not been that good. Uh, Jones for me, is the barometer for him, it'll be interesting to see what Shattenkirk gets because you know Shattenkirk is a is less he's better offensively than Vlasic, but yeah, isn't as good as, but isn't as good as Burns, right? But Shattenkirk's um, a lot better offensively than Vlasic. Yeah, so I paid quite a bit more. I think than Vlasic will, and I, I I could see I could see Shattenkirk coming in around seven. Uh, you know, and if that's the case, then you're I think Vla, Vlasic's ceiling for a contract is probably seven million dollars a year. I would be very surprised if Flasic gets that much money. What do you think? What do you think he'd get? Like six, maybe. Okay, he's maybe looking at like Brent Seabrook's deal and saying that's that's the comparable I want. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would say too. I also think Jones is kind of a wait and see deal because I think Jones. I think uh, one thing I really think that Daryl Sutter has nailed is that it takes three years starting to see what a goalie his deal is, and I think. Next year, it's going to be the make or break year yeah. for what Jones is like. And Hurdle is in a similar book because we're going to have to wait to see if he makes it through next year without getting his knee screwed up to see right. how much money he makes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, again, and like I said. If he's just a winger the whole year, if he's used as a center. I, right. That affects how much it money. It seems he like from, you know, how DeBoer spoke at the end of the year, it, it seems like the Hurdle winger boat ship has sailed. I, I, I agree um, with that. I think that part is pretty much. I mean, you saw how well he played in the in the playoffs as a center. I think he was like, a, oh, okay. And he good. was a great center, and I think you know, yes, there was a revolving door with the Joes line, but I think the Sharks are expecting next year. Okay, I think that had more to do with how the Joes play, though, than how Hurdle played. Right. I think we can agree, agree with and that. I, I, and I think um, you know the revolving door without him. Um, Right, you know, is a little concerning, but I think next year, the you know, and Wilson alluded to this. It is that you know, they're expecting those young guys to, to be ready. They're expecting Timo Meyer, Kevin LeBanc. I think they're they're penciling in one of those guys to play with, play with Thornton and Pavelski, and then you know the other one they're probably penciling to play with Logan Couture. Yeah, probably. They're probably penciling in Timo Meyer to play up top and LeBanc to play with, or whichever one plays better, I suppose, to play up top. Yeah. Um, and that's the competition. I and suppose. I think, you know, the Sharks are in a good spot too. I don't think they're going to have to break the bank for Melker Carlson, Chris Tierney, or Jonas Donskoy. Those guys played this year. No, they are not. Yeah. Donskoy not having a great year. I mean, and I, I haven't looked at RFA comparables. I don't think you're going to spend more than $9 million on the three of them combined. Nope. Uh, you're probably not going to spend. bad scoring years is really going to save the Sharks some money this year. Because what? They don't get to bring up their. Uh, on-ice shooting percentage numbers in uh, RFA hearings. Yeah. Those guys don't care. When we saw, you know, I, and he was mentioned in the injury report, I think Don Scoy was playing with one, if not two, separated shoulders or something absurd like he that. He have more than two, I don't think. So right. probably uh, just one of those. I mean, but, you know, he missed significant time. That would make sense to me. If he can get back healthy, uh, you know, and kind of get back, I think what, with Donskoy, given some of those health issues, what we saw from him the first year is more the player he is than what we saw this year. Um, and look, you know, Melker Carlson, if you're paying him, you know, right around two, two and a half, and he's going to be a, a bottom six forward. That's pretty much the going rate these days. You know, that you're not breaking the bank on those guys. You've got 
And then Tierney, I mean, who do you think gets paid the most of the three? Tierney. Probably Carlson, right? More Tierney should good. get paid more than Carlson because he's a center. Even though Carlson's more experienced than Tierney? I mean, Carlson, to me, is a guy who should be watching his back to lose a spot, in right. my opinion. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. <laughs> so I wouldn't pay Car- – I mean, to me, Carlson is a guy I don't resign. Personally. Really? I, I let him go because I, I – As I, an I, RFA, you don't you, – you, you know, you – do you offer, not, do you I, I don't want him. I don't want him. Give, back. Him, a, you give him a qualifying offer, and then if right. you don't come, to the deal, yeah. You... I mean, I I'm not interested in bringing him back personally. I'm not or not concerned about bringing him back. Right. I think Tierney and Dodd Square are more important, but to, the to Sharks me, have to. But listen, Marcus Sorensen is a guy that they have to resign, also. I believe, right? Yeah, Sorensen's up as well, and I think they like Sorensen. Yeah. Well, Carlson wasn't scratched, you know, in the playoffs at all, and, and right. And Dodd Square was. I don't know if how much of a, a gleaning that is on what they think. Well, gonna... but injury also plays a role there too. If, if Donskoy was hurt. Right. And that's probably part of the reason he wasn't as effective is because he was dealing with those injuries. So I think organizationally, I think Carlos is probably the most expendable. And frankly, the Sharks are probably betting on one of their young drafted players replacing him anyway. Right. So my point is that if Carlson is more expensive and you let him walk, yeah, you let him walk. But yeah, I don't. I don't see. I, but the those. What are, the point is? Those three contracts are not going to correct triple the sharks. Fight. So I mean, the those, and the, the term is going to be those. short anyway, so it's not Sorry. a big deal. The term's going to be short for any of those guys anyway. So by the exactly. time it would be a big deal, it's not a big. Yeah, deal. I don't see there. I don't see them signing anything longer than two or three year deals. Tierney probably gets the longest deal. Yeah, you're talking about a, a, a Tommy Wingles type situation where it's the kind of contract that we complain about before trading him to the Ottawa Senators, right? But it, but even even though we complain about it, you're like, okay, it's still not that much. Like it right. is for the role, but like in the scheme of a salary cap team, it's uh, great. We need a contract for the next managing editor to bitch about. Yeah. <laughs> Sorensen will be interesting to see what he gets. But you know, between those four players, you're not breaking the bank to keep them. Uh, Thornton and you know, but you do have to worry about you know not done giving Thornton and Marlow too much either. But I think if you give, if you're paying eight million. Eight or even even nine million for Thornton and Marlowe, and then you're paying six or seven million combined for the four of Donskoy, Carlson, Sorensen, and Tierney. I mean, you still have two and a two and a half million dollars in cap space, and that's before thinking which player is going to get taken in the expansion draft, and before thinking that the cap very well could go up. It's going yeah. to go up, almost certainly. I mean, the yeah. Sharks have $18 million in cap space next year, and they're not going to sign any free agents, probably. Right. So it's not a big deal, is my point. Yeah, so I... The, the, I the, think, the, the, the key is long-term flexibility. The yeah. The key is not money next year. Yeah, and as, as long as they could... Look, as long as they could still maintain the flexibility, because I frankly, I think the the... You know, you mentioned that this is almost a line in the sand for San Jose, and I, I agree. I think the really, really big decision is going to come before Vlasic's a free agent because if you're not contending, there's no reason to pay him, you know, right. to pay him that much. Because um, it's not even the money necessarily for Vlasic gets the term because, I mean, you say he gets whatever, $6 million, he's going to get it for five or six years. That's, and that's you know, are you, yeah. Do you really want to sign a guy to a five to, five to eight-year contract if you're going through a rebuild? Uh, no, not probably not. You want to trade a guy like that, though. That's certainly right. what you want to do. And, you know, and if, if, so that's, that's going to be interesting. I think given what, we, you know, what we're seeing kind of floated out so far, I think a lot can change. I think they're going to try – I think they're going to look at these next two years 
as, you know, especially next year because Jones, Vlasic, all of them are coming under contract as, you know, okay, we'll go for it. And then of course, you know, if, if things go wrong, then maybe you move, you move Jones or you move Vlasic at the deadline um, and then kind of rely on, you know, cause I, you know, I, I don't think they had to, you know, look, Doug Wilson is a forward, a, a forward thinking guy, I think, and he plans ahead. Uh, I don't think they signed Brent Burns to an eight year deal in the middle of the season, knowing in the back of their heads that, Oh, like we could, I mean, obviously they know in the back of their heads, things could go wrong and we might not go deep this year, but I don't think they signed him to that deal thinking, Oh, we could be rebuilding in, in three months. I think he, I think Thor- Wilson learned his lesson after signing Thornton and Marlowe to those deals and then saying, Hey, we're taking a step back. Yeah. I mean, I think I, 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 I tend to agree with that. Um... Yeah, I, I I suppose that the the difference is that this time would be a, probably a good time to take a slight calculated step back, yeah. whereas before it was not a calculated step right. back; it was an emotional uh, step. Uh, yeah, and I, I would agree. I think you know if if they are to not re-sign you know Marlowe and not re-sign Thornton, they'd certainly have some more flexibility. Um, and you know, I think they be a could, good draft next year. Yeah, and I. I you know, I don't know if they're a team that misses the playoffs next year. I mean, I think they're they're probably a bubble. I don't think they're a. I'll say this, they, miss, Marlo, they miss the playoffs, Absolutely. but I don't think they're going to be a. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna be a top five picking team. I don't think. No, but I think then if they if they make some moves and I think just stockpile picks because I think that that right. Doug Wilson has shown that he has done well to stockpile or make, make good. He can, he can retool on the fly. He can. Right. He that's, and I think that's, that's what the sharks need to do anyway. They're too good to, to yeah. stop. They're not, they're not going to be a go get Connor McDavid type team. Right. No, they're not going to, you know, they're, they're not going to rebuild retool. five times over and then luck into it. Right. They, I mean, they, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not better I than would be advertising that. that I'd be saying, go get another Timo Meyer type situation. Right. Yeah. And maybe and think, a couple of them. Yeah, it would, it would think, have to be that kind of a situation, and I think that's certainly possible. And but although, as we'll touch on, they are they are linked to some top end talent that uh, would certainly pop the window <laughs> wide open if they were to acquire them. But uh, before we get there, let's hit these questions. Yes. Oh, I, I was going to say even before we get to that, we should talk right. also expansion draft stuff. But let's do the questions first. Questions first. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, Devin Moreno asked, DeBoer likes to use his vets. How do we transition into the new core if 19 and 12 return? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that I think that there's a couple different ways you can do this. I think one is that um, you can make an argument that having having those guys around makes it easier to transition into a new core because it I, takes I, a lot of pressure off of those guys. You know, you, you, you don't have to put all the weight on the guys like Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc, if you know you can spread the minutes around a little bit, because you don't necessarily have to have concretely defined. Oh, hey, here's Timo Meyer. You're going to play 22 minutes tonight. You know, type right. situation. You know, you can have a situation where you have a one A one B, you know, type line situation. I think we've seen that. Like Marcus, yeah, like you're going to say, go ahead, hit it. Yeah, I think we've. I mean, you look at Marlowe's ice time this year. He's played some of the least minutes he's played since he was a rookie, basically, and. Thornton's ice time has decreased. Both of them aren't playing as much on the penalty kill. Still getting a little power play time. I think the way you transition them is almost, you know, like, uh, frankly, what maybe they should have done in the postseason series is, okay, you know, you give Tomas Hurdle a little more responsibility, then maybe you run 
uh, you you still use Couture the same way, but you almost use Hurdle's line or a line centered by Hurdle, how you use Thornton's. And then you use Thornton as a sheltered scoring third line, but still able to get some tough responsibilities as needed. Um, and I think, you know, if they're playing a little easier minutes too, that's going to take pressure off. Again, if they're both signed, it's going to take pressure off of the physical load off of them. So maybe they're not as worn down at the end of the year. Another easy way is, you know, mix up the power play units um, and not have, you know, Thornton playing or, uh, you know, and kind of change the system a little bit. I, I think there are organic ways to do it to also ref just reflect the age. And, you know, I, I think one thing Pete DeBoer has done really well has been manage, you know, Thornton and Marlowe and some of the vets. He's been, you know, gives them days off. Uh, they get, you know, days off the ice. And I think he's, he has dialed back their ice time. Um, and I, I think, frankly, too, and, you know, DeBoer's probably learned lessons from when he was in New Jersey and, you know, he wasn't as trusting of young players. Granted, I don't think New Jersey was in as good of a position with their farm system as San Jose is right now or even Florida when he coached there. Um, so I, you know, and I'll be writing about that uh, not for tomorrow but for Thursday. Uh, so keep an eye on, keep an eye on that. Um, yeah, I think I think there are, are there are organic ways. Look, they're they're going to be thirty eight years old. You know, I I think we all we we kind of thought as the Sharks progressed into this next stage, we all kind of hoped Thornton and Marlowe would stay. They'd just stay in reduced roles and kind of naturally, like you know, it's almost like letting them age out in a retirement home kind of thing. You know, like there's they're just doing a little less and less and less each year, and then you know they retire. Right uh let's see not that san jose is a retirement home but well not yet uh let's see obviously easier said than done but does it go without saying that if doug wilson can't find anyone to take uh warden or bodker he pulls the trigger i guess i don't know exactly what that means if that means that uh you want a buyout yeah i mean no that doesn't I don't happen think, i don't think i don't think ward gets bought out i don't think bodker does either i think Look, you're still, you know, you're going to be maybe lamenting the cap hit a little bit, but I actually thought Joel Ward was pretty good this postseason. Uh, I thought he was, you know, he was a good third, fourth line player, and that's what he is at this point. You know, the, it was the third year of the Ward deal and the, the fourth year of the Martin deal. We kind of looked at as those are going to be the downside. But again, you know, with the natural easing in of the young players, LeBanc's making, you know, not a ton. Neither is Timo Meyer. You can afford to pay Ward a little more and you'll bite the bullet, so to speak. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I, I think he's, I think Wilson's certainly looking for a taker on, on Bodker more. So I think Bodker's more movable than Ward. And I think he's hoping that uh, Vegas will take Bodker. And I guess that's, you know, what we can get into here. Um, you know, they talk a little expansion. Um, who do you think Vegas will uh, try to take from the Sharks? Who do you think they? Who do you think they should, and who do you think will end up getting taken? Uh, well, I mean, listen, I think that the way that I've run the you know the protection type stuff, I think that the Sharks should emphasize protecting you know as many defenders as possible. And I think if that's the case, that the that Vegas should probably end up taking Chris Tierney. And if I think that. If that's not what the Sharks end up doing, you know, maybe the Shark, the Vegas ends up taking somebody like Brendan Dillon or David Schlemko. Um, you know, I think it's going to be one of those three guys. That's kind of my that that's my guess. Um, if any of those three guys are available, that's who they should take. You know, none of those guys are particularly expensive. They're all very good. Um, you know, 
I don't think Vegas would be unhappy taking any of those guys. I think no. Chris Tierney has a lot of good upside. Brendan Dillon would be solid. I think the biggest thing is that um, when I've looked you know, through this stuff before, it seems like they're going to be a lot of kind of middle, like, you know, second pairing type defenders available in this the draft. The blue line is really where the Knights are going to be best based on what's going to be available. Which is why I think that if Chris Tierney is available, yeah. that's the guy that they should really go after. Um, so, you know, I don't think that, you know, the, the thing is that the Sharks have, Obviously, depth in, at, at, at defense, you know, because they have a guy like Dylan DeMello there. Mirko Mueller's still dicking around with and the if Barracuda. They if they re-sign Tim Heath. And they should um, if, if, if he will re-sign. Um, you know, so they can kind of a, sort of afford to lose one of those guys. Um, you know, I know the hope is that Vegas takes somebody more expensive because the hope of every hockey fan is that um, if somebody <laughs> yeah. will take your expensive bad players. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think so. they're going to have to live with Bod currency. I don't think – I think Bod is so on, low on the list. <laughs> I don't think that Bod a bad player. So Nor do I. I, I just that, think there's I don't, I think so many have a great... wingers that are going to be available in the expansion draft. Correct. There's, but there's no reason for Vegas to, to buy low on Mikel Bodker. Right. I think so, – I mean, frankly, if I'm Vegas, because I'm guessing – I mean, Aaron Dell is going to have to be exposed. And Dylan DeMello is probably going to be exposed just based on numbers. Sure. Um, is he? Is DeMello has to be exposed, right? Um, I'm not sure if he does actually. To okay. Be, to be perfectly Fact honest. Check with you. me because if, if he does, if he does have to be exposed. I mean, look, you figure Vegas is going to have its pick of the litter of overpaid contracts. You might try and get some value there, especially given DeMello's age and given Dell's age. Um. I mean, there's going to be a lot of goalies available, but if I'm Vegas, I, I considering Aaron Dell led the league in save percentage this year, I'd, I'd give him a strong look. Uh, there's going to be better goalies available. James Reimer's going to be available. Or is Luongo going to be available? I don't think so. I think I think Luongo has a no trade clause. No trades, you don't have. You can't expose. It's no moves. You can't. Uh, he doesn't have a no move clause, but uh, and listen, if Luong is available, maybe I think about taking him. But I think James Reimer will probably be available, to be honest with you. And so will Anti Ranta, who had a great year for the. Yeah, Rams. and so will either Flurry or. Uh, they already said they have a deal worked out for a goalie, I believe. Uh, I think it's going to have to be Flurry because I think Flurry has a no move. He does have a no move. Otherwise, the Penguins are going to have to expose Matt Murray. And right. If Matt and- Murray's exposed, that's the first pick. That's the first pick Vegas. Right. My po- point being, I, I think Vegas is all set in the goalie department. Goalie and D, I think that's going to be where they're strongest. Right. Next so year. my point is that, you know, if I'm Vegas, I probably, you know, the Sharks might get lucky and not have to lose one of their D, which then opens up the possibility that the Sharks might try to trade somebody on D for for right. forward help. So anyway, yeah, which is which, a whole other conversation. I it's a position, and I think the Sharks are in a good spot where, unlike previous years where they've traded defensemen for forwards, it's not like, oh, now we have a bad defensive group. It's right. going to be, oh, we've still got a good defensive group and we've still got good depth. Um, frankly, I think that's the area they're probably deepest in the pipeline currently. I mean, I mean, Joachim Ryan seems like he can maybe make a step, take a step forward next year too. You know, Mueller yeah. probably coming close to make or break time. And then Tim Heed had a great first season in North America and looked good in his one game in San Jose. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I think expansion is going to be interesting to monitor. If if one of those guys, I think, if frankly though, if one of those guys don't get claimed, I think you just 
you just bite the bullet. I think look, Joel Ward's probably gonna end up having been overpaid next year, but I don't know. I that's, I thought he the, I thought he showed up against Edmonton. He was far from the problem. And if you are trying to contend, you need a guy like like you you need Joel Ward. Well, the thing is, is that both the the that was the deal with that contract. That was the deal with the Paul Martin contract. You knew yeah. that the back end those deals were going to be bad, and you were paying to contend right now. That's how that's how those deals work. Yeah, you know. Tough and shit. Hey, you know, Joel Ward had a bit of a down year this year, but I don't expect his on ice shooting percentage to be. Uh, to be, he's probably. Yeah, I still some- think he was very good, and he was very good in possession when he was using the third yeah. line role. I think the problem was that Pete DeBoer kept trying to play him on the second line. So if, it's it, not Joel Ward. You know, that's if the Sharks' third line next year is Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, and Joel Ward against you know in a sheltered scoring role. Like that's a line that could make that could probably have some success. Yep. Um, whether or not the Sharks end up doing that, or if they end up relying on the veteran presences too much, remains to be seen. But the roster's set up in a way where they can organically have the young players take bigger steps and have Thornton and Marlowe take a bit of a step back while still being retained. Yeah, if the Sharks decide to go for it next year, there's a, definitely the possibility that things go very, very, very poorly. Yeah. Uh, there's a high possibility. Yeah, there's which, definitely a chance. Which theoretically could, uh, could work out okay for the Sharks, which you know I, I assume is in the back of Doug Wilson's mind that if you commit to some of these veteran guys, that if things go, you know, things go tits up, you still get a pretty decent draft pick. So as long as he yeah. retains the draft picks for next year, it's really not that big of a risk. Um, yeah. Which is the flip side to all of this is that, you know, quote unquote, going all in next year is not the worst thing in the world. No, and I don't. I think I think you could. I mean, it seemed it's it's really felt like they've done this for years with this group, and every time the window closes, it just opens another year. But like, it really wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them to just kick the can another two years down the road and say, okay, like, and you know, and also too, if if you try to resign Thornton and Marlowe and they decide to go elsewhere, you say, all right, you know, we we gave them an offer and. It didn't, you know, we wanted right. them back. It didn't work out, but that's okay. Right, uh, right. And I think, frankly, I think though they have to at least make an offer for from a PR perspective. Oh yeah, well, otherwise, I mean, uh, if those guys leave. They're gonna do, you know, it's gonna they're gonna do what the Miami Heat did when Wade left. They're gonna do all the thank yous, like take out an ad in the Mercury News, the San Francisco Chronicle. I, they're not gonna botch this. They can't afford to. Well, we'll see. Yeah, they can't. They can't afford to buy. How long before they leave? Before the uh, before they start floating out another arena relocation room? Oh yeah, God. Mere weeks, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I yeah, we'll 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 see. Uh, we'll see what happens on that front. But yeah, I think it's. I think it's. It's uh, it's like I think they could they can have their cake and eat it too. Much like you know, frankly, much like they did in that 2012-13 lockout year when they traded some of the flotsam and jetsam. They traded away Ryan Clo. They traded away. Look, if, if Doug Wilson could get two second round picks for Douglas Murray, I'm I'm confident in his ability to tr- to get value for anybody. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to talk about the John Tavares in the room? Oh yeah, we got we got to talk about the uh, the John Tavares in the room now. Regular listeners of the pod know uh, mm. that Jake and I, you know, Wait, Jake it- Jake floated. I will say where the genesis of me floating this out started. When I read that the Sharks were in on Steven Stamkos last summer and Friedman said, my guts tell, you know, and then I think he eventually later, he didn't, I don't know if he confirmed it because Doug Wilson is so keenly aware of tampering rules that he doesn't say anything about players on opposing teams. 
because he can't, he just he's like, nope, that can't talk about them. Sorry, guy. Um, but Friedman reported with quite a bit of confidence that the Sharks were a team that met with Steven Stamkos. And when I saw that, I was like, whoa, okay, they're going to be players on the free free agent market with some of these guys when their deals come up. So, you know, obviously we saw Tavares was the next big kahuna after Jamie Ben re-signed. And you and I had been talking like, oh, yeah, they're going to be in on Tavares. That was all purely speculative. Right. Um, I don't think we're speculating anymore. No. Uh, given what we read today in 30 Thoughts. Uh, the column led with Tavares and the Islanders, you know, talking about an extension. And Friedman admitted that, you know, Tavares's first choice is to stay. But if the Islanders don't show that they're going to turn things around, that he could leave. And he said, he mentioned, I think, six teams. I think he said Detroit, Los Angeles, yep. Montreal, San Jose, Tampa Bay, and Toronto. Are gonna? He said, or "Wouldn't you be closely monitoring the situation?" Although he said that Toronto might not be able to make that work. So I read that today, posted it uh, the Fear the Fin Slack, and asked, uh, "Hey, now this raises some this raises some nice red flags." And then we we ran the fan shot today. Um, what was your reaction when you when you saw Friedman uh, float out the Sharks? It's a family show, Marcus. <laughs> I, it was good. That was good. Uh, you know, I previously, I mean, obviously this is something that you and I have been talking about since since then. What have we talked about more on this show? That or Chris Tierney getting on the power play? Probably it's a, it's Chris Tierney on the power play. That's the, okay. that's, the, that's, the, that's the hill that you and I will both be found dead upon. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've taken out tombstone space on that hill. Uh Something I like to talk about, like on Twitter, especially when we play the Islanders, because Islanders fans get, as they do about everything, extremely upset. Right. Um, that's that's kind of as thing. as we would if Joe Thornton was twenty seven and approaching, you know, unrestricted free agency. And um, but yeah, they there's there's, there's, there's a defensive fan base. He's he's their biggest star since Mike Bossy. Like it's it's understandable. Yeah. Uh, the Islanders have done everything in their power to, to make John Tavares want to leave, in fairness. Uh, how, many, how many suitable wingers have they uh, right. either not retained or, uh, or traded away? I, that's all of them. Yeah. Um, I think he's currently playing with a trash can and a, a paper bag right Although now. Although the trash can and the paper bag were nearly good enough to get that team into the playoffs. Uh, you know, they, were, they looked dead in the water at one point. Uh, but credit to Doug Waite for uh, – I guess waiting things out and uh, helping turn it around, uh, and you know, free- credit to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs for nearly shedding away their playoff dreams. Right. I think is yeah. the way to phrase and, it. You know, the uh, you know, um, oh god, I totally lost my my completely lost my my train of thought. Uh, what were we talking? Oh yeah, John Tavares. Um, so yeah, Friedman mentions that. Um, it's really not clear what Tavares thinks about them retaining Doug Waite and also Garth Snow having some uh, solid footing. But it, he did say he wants to sign an extension this summer if he's going to sign it. Um, or maybe he said he wouldn't sign one after this summer. So if it gets to training camp and he's not signed, uh, you know, I guess there's two questions. If, if he's available via trade, should the Sharks trade for him or should they just wait until free agency? And would you be willing to run that risk knowing that he could get traded somewhere that would then uh, he'd then re-sign with? I don't think the Sharks have the pieces really 
to, uh, to make that trade. So I don't think they have a choice. I think they basically have to be like, well, Agreed. we'll make our we'll make we'll make our we'll make our pitch afterwards, and right. you know, hopefully he doesn't win a cup somewhere. Yeah, because that would make our offer a lot less good. Yeah, I hope he gets put in a locker stall next to somebody who's really really irritating. Yeah. So. You know. Yeah, and he, and he it, it seems like he wants to win, and you know, I, I, I said it. I look if they got John Tavares, I think their window is cracked right, like wide open again. Wide yep. Open. Uh, he's one of the ten best players in the league. Uh, one of the probably the, you know, five best centers in the league. Uh, Exceptionally underrated. Extreme, extreme. He plays in the. I mean, I know he's playing on Long Island or now in Brooklyn, but. He's still playing in the biggest media market in the country, and the guy is still not talked about enough. Um, That's because he plays for the Islanders. And but who? His his current deal is, you know, full credit to the Isles. Um, his current deal is probably the best deal in the NHL. Five and a half million dollars a year uh, for John Tavares. That's criminal. Uh, yeah, and so you Looks know, like the Islanders organization. But if you're the Sharks, you know, you give Thornton and Marlowe a two year, two year deals. You know, and then 2018 comes and Tavares is a free agent, and then he can slide into the cap space vacated by the two of them. I, I, yeah, it's, it's shaping up. Uh, you know, I think it's even more of a potential. You know, something to think about than Stamkos because Stamkos last year was like, well, how the heck would the Sharks have fit that cap hit uh, onto the team under the salary cap? Whereas you know, when Tavares becomes UFA, really fits in nicely. Um, with where they'll be as a as an organization. Yep, I mean, listen. The 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 only way that the Sharks are able to 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 get Tavares would be, you know, have, it, they'd have to give up a lot. And it's not that you know it'd be giving up. It'd have to be some kind of uh, yeah, I assume some kind of a sign and trade type situation is the only way that they would do it. And I just don't think that a uh, kind of prospect type type players that that the Islanders would want. I assume. I mean, look, you're going to have to give up at minimum one of Tomas Hurdle and Logan Couture, probably Timo Meyer or Kevin LeBanc, and then probably a defenseman and then probably a pick, right? Like, I don't know. That's that's probably what probably. the starting asking point is. I mean, again, you'd have to look at, you know, comparable trades. And I'd, I'd say probably a good comparison of a trade would probably be but you know, you look at what what the what the what the Predators gave up for Ryan Johansson. They gave up Seth Jones, who was their best, you know, their best defensive prospect, and was a three-year NHLer at 21 years old. The Sharks really don't have that to make a one-for-one work. Well, what about the Tyler Sagan trade? Tyler Sagan's another, you know, another another great comparable, not in a UFA year, um, but similar. So maybe the return will be a little less. But again, Louis Erickson, a roster player. Yeah. Um, didn't they get Riley Smith too? So a young winger, and then a pick. Yeah, I mean, if you gave up some, it'd be like you know a Logan Couture, and maybe or like, Hurdle. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't give up Hurdle. I'd give up Couture, but not Hurdle. Right. Yeah. yeah right. So the answer would be no, because by the time you do that, it's like okay, right. So, you know. Yeah, your your team. You're like, okay, are we? Re- how much better are we really by cha- trading away two of our prospects and Logan Couture for John Tavares? Right. It's like, well, Whereas if you sign him as a UFA, I mean, oh my god, the goodness. If they if they got John Tavares as a UFA in 2018, like, 
that'd be pretty that'd be pretty sweet that's all i'll say it'd be pretty awesome yeah it'd be pretty sweet pretty sweet business so but for now they're gonna get some old dudes next year so they're gonna get some some sweet Ryan Clove becomes a free agent the same year as uh as as Go up to these days as giant Tavares. i think he's been doing some stuff with the devils i want to say maybe some yeah. scouting yeah he um, has. so there's also quite a few goalie free agents that year as well yep yep so yeah all right i think we hit it any other anything? questions Oh, hey, I did skip over one. Hold on. I thought we could save this for the end of the show. I okay. this is off topic. Uh, Arco Ego wants to know, for fans of any other California sports teams other than the Sharks, do you want to hit this first, Marcus? Oh, that's a good question. Any other California sports teams? Uh, I've got weird tastes, so... Um, wait, so like, wait, like, uh, is this like like it, arena football or what? No, no, no. I just, it, the weirdest thing is that I am a, basketball-wise, I'm a Lakers fan. Uh, had that kind of passed down to me uh so i have not i had every reason to probably jump off that bandwagon jump on the warriors considering i grew up here would have been smart but i stuck with them baseball uh, giants fan also have a soft spot for the angels because of the oh, film angels in the outfield Please um, stop. uh niners in football unfortunately earthquakes in soccer uh Yeep. yeah i guess that's uh that's pretty much it i don't know who who else am i I don't know if I'm thinking. I must. I, mean, I don't know if I'm missing anybody else in terms of. Uh, obviously, San Jose Barracuda for uh, AHL. Uh, oh, good. Thank we, you. We, we could probably after you answer, we could probably touch a little bit on their their Calder Cup run. Uh, Absolutely, we can hit on that. Yep. Okay. So, uh, like in California, which squads? Okay. Uh, squad squad goals. Uh, let's see, yeah, earthquakes. Uh, uh, Rams for football. Uh, See, don't not not really big into California basketball these days. I followed Boogie to the to New Orleans for the Pelicans because I was always more of a Boogie guy than a than a Kings guy as far as basketball is concerned. Um, is that it? I guess that's everybody, huh? Did I forget anything? Yeah, I don't think so. I guess that's it. No, that's it. So, uh, so this summer it's all going to be it's going to be oh, and Giants for baseball. That's right. That is what yeah. I forgot. So. Thankfully, none of the sharks injured their shoulders in a dirt biking accident midseason. Hey, give it time, baby. Give it time. <laughs> it's going to be fishing, I assume that they'll do deep sea, deep sea fishing. That's, how, that's, that's what hockey players do. Uh, I was at a, a minor league baseball game tonight in Rancho Cucamonga, and the Ontario Rain were all out at the game. Nice taking in the game. They uh, brought them out onto the field before the game, and uh, you know, I used to work for the for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, and so I was down down by there, and. Uh, the guys came out. They were all very excited to be out on the baseball field. And they were like, you know, like wishing the the, the Quakes good luck. And uh, none of the Quakes players had any idea who these guys were. Yeah, as I'm uh, sure, as I'm sure, none of the Rain players knew who the Quakes were if they weren't wearing. Well, no, the Rain hat. players were were really excited about it. They're like, oh man, guys, it's so great. And the Rain yeah. players came out like, oh man, wow, fuck us, right? Yeah, yikes. Yeah. Anyway, so that was pretty. That 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 was pretty funny. Uh, so, all right, let's hit on the, speaking of the, the rain who are playing the San Diego goals and are, uh, I believe tied one, one in their series, um, which resumes on Saturday and I'm going to Monday's game, which is game four of that series. So it'll be fun. Uh, the heat and Barracuda are tied at one game apiece in that series. So resumes on, does that resume on Friday? Yeah. Friday in right? stock. Yes. Yeah, so, and then, uh, 
game four will be. Are they doing a uh, and then game? Is that Friday and then Sunday? That would be my guess. Right? Yeah, Friday Sunday. Game five will be yeah. back. Game five's at the SAP Center. Uh, this is a these it's are best of five series, correct? Yeah, and then every other series is out of seven. Okay. So, if you want to make the trek to beautiful Stockton, California, former murder capital of America, you're a uh, I've heard. I've read their mayor. He's like twenty six or twenty eight years old. He's like a. He went to Stanford. And he was like commuting back and forth while he served on the city council and like. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, no, it's gonna. I mean, you know, the bright side for the Barracuda with the Sharks exit is they've gotten some reinforcements. Uh, yeah, Timo Meyer played in game two. Marcus Sorensen hasn't joined the team yet, though. Or Sorry, I mean, I'm sure he will have by then. Is there anyone? Does anyone else have AHL eligibility or, like? That's a great question. You know, I'm honestly not sure. I didn't really follow to to know who else. I know they did that send down, you know, at one point to make sure yeah. that people were eligible, but I don't remember who else is actually good to go. Um, I assume anyone else who is is playing already because none of those guys were playing for the Sharks. Right. I mean, um, LeBanc, LeBanc is playing and has two points uh, or has four points, two goals, two – or. Uh, two points is it? I believe it is. I think it's a goal, and they. Uh, he's a point a game in two playoff games, so he's just been doing what he's been doing all year. Basically, is what you're telling me. And, uh, Ryan Carpenter has a two goals and two assists, so it's nice tearing, tearing it up. Um, so it's uh, they they won the first game four nothing, and uh, then lost game two six four after uh, your boy Troy Grosnick let in uh, four goals on nine shots in the first period. So nice. it was a. Sweet start. The, the season he's had, he was probably due for a bad period. Um, but it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, you, you think they're they're probably one of the more loaded teams in the AHL now, uh, given given uh, given who's with given who's with the team, um, and who's who got sent down. Well, do you want to um, hear some of the guys playing with the uh, with the Stockton Heat right now? These are some interesting names. We're also theoretically, you know, also loaded up now that Calgary's out of the playoffs. These are some yeah. names. Um, Lyndon Vay, Hunter Shinkarik, uh, Brandon Bullig. This is a great Where Are They Now series. Oh, man. I know. It's I kind of feel bad for these guys. It's like Shinkarik uh, and uh, Vay both being like, let's take other teams' disgraced prospects and see right. if they have anything left. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Lyndon Vay had two goals. So, I guess the answer is yes. Yeah, he could still play. Uh, so, so yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting to see uh, see what they've got the rest of the way. I'm gonna probably start following that a little more closely uh, now that uh, now that the series is over. I uh, you know, if if it goes to Game Five, I think I'll try and uh, I'll try and make my way to the tank for that to watch that. Uh, right, I mean, right. They've up. got a uh, two dollar beers and one dollar hot dogs for these games. So and the tickets for only for the ten playoffs. Bucks. Yeah, uh, we had a post on fearthefin.com. Thanks for reading, Jack. Oh, man, I'm acting shocked because I did not read the website. Um, no, I didn't read the article. Yeah, no, I will be uh, I will be at Game 5. Uh, as long as I don't have work, I will be at Game 5 uh, to watch the Barracuda. You don't want, we don't want it to get that far, though. We want them to make it to the second round and face the winner of the rain and the goals. Um, who do you think the Barracuda Hopefully the rain so I can go to that game. It seems like – I, feel uh, like I want them to play the rain. rain. Yeah. 
That's what I want. Yes. Thank goodness Shea Theodore has been called up to Anaheim, so he can't, you know, kill the Barracuda in a playoff potential playoff series. Uh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, I think that uh, is Paul Bissonnette still playing for the Ontario Reign? Is that still? Like, oh, that's worth be worried. Yeah, that's something. That's something I still have to be worried about. Uh, I assume it is. Yeah, yeah, he is on the roster. I don't know when he last played, but he's on the roster. Yeah, piece of shit. <laughs> uh, Teddy Purcell is, is as well. God, how that guy didn't get called up kind of amazes me. But the yeah, website do you think also still lists Setaguchi on their roster, so I'm not sure. I mean, he just signed in Germany. Teddy Purcell is still, Ted, Teddy Purcell is still playing. Uh, uh, Paul Bissonnette did not play in their most recent game. for what Okay. He seemed then, more active on Twitter, so maybe he got he got let go. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll uh, any any more questions that we got? I think uh, last I checked, that is uh, that's that's the scoop. That is everything. I think uh, no, we're good. We've got it. So I think that's that's it. Are we good? Yeah, I think so. We think we if you think we've covered it, it's going to be an interesting off season. Going to. With a lot of potential for change, but I, I also expect it to not have very much upheaval. But those are sometimes the off seasons where Doug Wilson pulls a, you know, oh, I'm going to acquire Brent Burns kind of a thing out of nowhere. Yeah, so, I remember. I, I still remember where I was when, uh, when I found all that was happening. It was uh, just sitting at work, you know, just minding my own business. And all of a sudden, uh, what do you think Devin Setaguchi was when that happened? Well, he was, he was living life, enjoying the fact that he just signed a contract three days before, yeah. assuming he was going to be in San Jose, and then found out. I thought the the funny thing was um, that actually the uh, the then editors of the time of Fear the Fin they were doing a pod, and I remember there was a pod before the draft, and they'd kind of you know floated out Burns speculation, and they said, yeah, if the Sharks are going to get Burns, it'll probably take. Seto, Coil, and a pick, and that is exactly what the Sharks traded as a package. I read the I read the alert. I'm like, like are are is, are Fear the Fid like really plugged in? Like, I mean, they're certainly more plugged in than the two of I two of us are. Um, so that was that was their if if the Sharks end up signing John Tavares, look to us the same way you look to uh, Mr. Plank and uh, Matt Taylor for calling the. Uh, for calling the Brett Burns deal, because we'll have we'll have been beating the drum very loudly and patting ourselves on the back uh, enough if that happens. Absolutely, we're going to be absolutely insufferable. Oh, and I'm already an unbearable follow on Twitter, but if it'll it'll go in the um, bio. Can, Call uh, John Tavares to the Sharks. Uh, the day he signed, can you imagine? I can't wait to buy matching jerseys. <laughs> we're going to be in there opening night, his first game as a Shark in our matching yeah. jerseys. And then they'll, they'll retire Thornton and Marlowe's jerseys on that same night. Uh, I'll be there in my jersey, no pants, and it's going to be incredible. <laughs> and then you'll be arrested. <laughs> it's going to be worth it, baby. <laughs> Can't wait. All right, you can follow uh, Marcus. He's the insufferable one on Twitter, at Marcus P. White. Follow me on Twitter, at Jake Sundstrom. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes by searching Fear the Fin. Uh, all right. That's going to do it, guys. Choo-choo.